Hey everyone, this is Chris, your uh, co-host and producer of The Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Reason why I'm hopping on here real quick before the episode, which is episode 70, our review of The Batman, is because I wanted to preface this, preface your, your listening here with what had happened with our previous episode. So Aaron and I were lucky enough to be together and see The Batman together in Clarksville, where he currently lives, and record the episode at Rick's Comic City there in Clarksville. The downfall, though, is that neither Aaron or I are very proficient with recording equipment. So upon coming home to St. Louis and beginning the editing process for episode 70, I quickly realized that there is a terrible echo in both of our mics. So if you realize that this episode sounds weird or let's just say bad, that's the reason. So I just wanted to hop on here and let you guys know what was going on. And hopefully you still enjoy our witty banter and back and forth. And uh, we promise that episode 71 will be much better. But either way, thank you so much for listening to The Oblivion Bar. And let's go ahead and continue on with the episode. Hey guys, it's Greg with the First Hit You Club, and you are listening to Oblivion Bar Pod. To the Oblivion Bar Podcast with your hosts Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 70 of the Oblivion Bar podcast. I'm Chris Acker. I'm one of your co-hosts here and joining me in person. He's right here, guys. He's right next to me, my BFF. Hold my hand while I say this, Aaron Knowles. Or is it you joining me in person? That is, Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I am here in Tennessee where Aaron's from, and uh, we're here to talk about Batman. Man, it's finally here. Our most anticipated film of all of last year. Right, we talked about it on I think it was like episode like I, I can't remember the number, but most anticipated films of this year. This was our most anticipated, and we've seen it, and we're ready to talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped to talk about it because it's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. It's been a long road. the The Battinson was something that we were at least I was highly anxious about, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, definitely definitely calmed down throughout the 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 running. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, it's it, you came down here to Clarksville, Tennessee. Or, yeah, Clarksville, Tennessee. I, I always get confused with like coming down, coming up, going <laughs> it's over uh, there. southeast. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're actually in a special location today. Are we not? Are we not? Yes. Yeah, we are here at Rick's Comic City in Clarksville, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, Rick's has a couple locations, correct? You've got one yes. in Nashville, one here in Clarksville, and then there's one other one. Where's the other one at? Yeah. So there's one on Fort Campbell where I work. Okay. There's one uh, downtown Clarksville, which is where we are right now, and there's one in Nashville that I have. I actually, to be honest, I haven't been there yet because. The one on base just has everything that I really ever need. Sure. And then if I need anything else, uh, you know, the the downtown Clarksville is 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 that's my local comic shop. So you know, so much love for the fantasy shop, but I, I got to give my love and the props to Rick's Comic City. So absolutely. Um, well, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I didn't say at the top, and I should mention that we are still the official podcast of the fantasy shop in St. Mm-hmm. Charles, Missouri. And uh, although although they are our 
our uh, our dad and our sponsor. We still we're happy to be here at Rex. So. Yeah, we love support local. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shop small businesses, local support, in general. Yeah, local comic book shops are the what do you how do you say it? the lifeblood mm-hmm. of of the comic industry? Yeah. And without them, you know who's going to fight for the actual like tangible comic book? Right, especially now that comicsology is completely ruined, which. We de- I was telling Aaron on the way here to this episode, we were about to show up here at Rick's that we probably should have brought up the fact that comicsology has been ruined by Amazon, but we might save that for the grid or maybe episode 71. Who knows? We, it does need to be talked about at some point because now more than ever, our local comic book shops are, they were already the most important, but now they're just even more important because the digital market is in a frenzy right now. Which is awesome, kind of. <laughs> I mean, the comic industry is so niche that it's never it's never awesome whenever any part of it is kind of in a frenzy. But that's fair. Again, being that you and I both love physical media, it, it's I guess it's good, right? We also love physical comedy. That's right. Yeah. With Bam Pow. <laughs> Aaron, why don't you go ahead and quickly talk about Patreon really quick and oh. tell the people how they can support us outside of just subscribing to the Oblivion Bar podcast? Absolutely. I also get gonna love the the ambient. The ambiance, mm-hmm. yeah. the sound of the the the, the pages ding, ding. ruffling, the the door chime, people coming in, people looking for comments. It's going to be a wild episode, so I'm excited. But if you guys want to hear something even more wild, you need to go over to patreon.com forward slash oblivion bar pod, okay, and sign up. We have multiple tiers; they're all affordable. There's so many like bonuses that you get with it. So like like for your contribution, we could have access to some exclusive Discord channels because our we have our our public discord which everybody has access to but you get access to it's exclusive public or excuse me exclusive specific channels mm-hmm. uh when you are a patreon member or, or a patron as like chris likes to say um so you get an extra episode 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 you get an extra episode each week called the grid which is basically our oblivion bar after dark yep. it's it's you know lose the format it's lose the formality mm-hmm. and it's just really you know it's us two bffs just shooting the shit yep. and talking about whatever is on our mind yeah so that's in and, and it's the that, best perk yeah absolutely it's, it's exclusive just for our uh patrons. patreons our patrons yes uh you can also get a special shout out at the end of each episode which you'll hear at the end of this episode for our current uh patrons mm-hmm. uh and again your support over there even your support here means the world to us and you know it's more more than you know uh this has given us a platform to like really reconnect as friends yep. and, and and yeah like if you just want a little bit more of that, a little bit more of a deeper, more personal view, <laughs> Delilah, which apparently is a big influence to me. But yeah, quick, anyways. quick side quest. Aaron and his wife, Carly, we both called him out last night for being a huge fan of Delilah. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm not a huge fan. He no, just I never did it, said, guys. Okay, he no, just did it. No, let's let's get this right. I never said that I was not a huge fan. I never said that she was an influence oh, okay. on me. Okay. Never going to disagree that I am a fan of Delilah. She has been a staple in the radio and and broadcasting community mm-hmm. for years. Okay, <laughs> she's amazing. Yes, that's okay. Fair point. So, Aaron, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and get into our news and notes before we get into our review of the Batman. Hell yeah. News and notes. Okay, off the top here on our news and notes, we have Nintendo has announced Pokemon Scarlet and Violet for, on Pokemon Day 2022. So unlike Pokemon Legends Arceus, which just came out a couple weeks ago, we actually reviewed it here on the show, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet reverts back to the series practice of offering two versions of a base game. 
So we actually talked about this during our review of Pokemon Legends Arceus, how they could go ahead and just get away with offering two different games, but apparently they're going, they know they have our money. Like yeah. they, they, they'll sell us two versions and we'll buy it. So that's yeah. why they're going back, of course. I don't blame them, of course. Well, I don't think they're going back again. Like, you know, this Arceus was a spinoff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, okay, so hear me out. This, this might be a conspiracy theory slash hot take, yeah. but okay. I think that they were already building you know scarlet and violet yeah because if you if you look at the trailer it looks almost exactly (laughs) like pokemon legends Arceus. so they were like hey we could just you know create this other game like as a quick kind of like you know money maker and show off what we're creating and still continue to work on scarlet and violet and make more and more and more and more money it's a great theory so that's what i think happened do you work for pokemon i do not game freak if you're listening he's mine okay you can't have him anymore (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that means that it's almost inevitable that you're going to have to buy both versions of the game if you want every single Pokemon available in this generation. Uh, so according to the Pokemon Company, Generation 9 will see the series taking a new evolutionary step, allowing you to explore freely in a, in a richly expressive world. Let's see here. So that world is going to be basically based around Europe, a region that includes Spain and Portugal. Now, that's kind of a speculation. We don't know that for sure quite yet, but we know that according to the map that they have there uh, during that Pokemon I thought day, it was like South America. It's very possible. That we don't know anything. It's all speculation. But again, according to a lot of the different news outlets, they've all said that it could be Spain, Portugal. It could be, you know, South America, either one. We're introduced to Aaron, three new starters, okay? <laughs> okay, so you guys can't see this right now, but Aaron's like filming me as I'm speaking here. And I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm going to see this on Instagram later. So we got three new starters, Aaron. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. That's what this was kind of the biggest thing that happened during this video. This kind of this and they promotion. are adorable. Yes, they are. I heard someone say that this is these are the three fakest looking Pokemon that have ever premiered. Like they look like fan art essentially. Yeah. But you know, okay, I'm gonna say this again because this is the the stupidest thing that people say every single generation. Every single generation, mm-hmm. we get dumb looking Pokemon. Like you can only be so creative, right. you know. Like we literally got an ice cream cone one year, yeah. Vanillax. You know, and a trash bag. <laughs> and a tra- we have a trash bag Pokemon. Yeah. Trubbish. Yeah. I knew you were trubbish when you walked in. Okay. <laughs> but what what irritates me about uh, the Pokemon fandom mm-hmm. is that if you look back, like you and I, we started with red, blue, and yellow. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. You remember what those looked like? Yeah. I mean, there's a, literally a, there's a Pokemon that's a ball. It's just a Pokeball. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. every generation has it. You're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, so off the top here, we have Sprigatito. Sprig- yep. Yeah. I say Guido here, but it's actually Tito. Sprigatito. That's the grass cat Pokemon. <laughs> and it's actually a combination of Sprig and Guido, which means kitten in Spanish. And it's also, gen- and I think, uh, let's see here. El gato. <laughs> I am the cat. I think it's Sprig is the term that means the cutest of the bunch. Is that correct? Are you are you familiar with that term at all? I'm I'm not at all. I no, I just because I like Spanish, man. Doesn't <laughs> I didn't say that. I did not wow. say that. Everyone, wow. do not cancel me, please. <laughs> uh, up next, we have Fue Coco. This is actually probably going to be my pick. And uh, this what? is yeah, this is going to be mine. Oh really? He looks like he looks like a little apple. <laughs> yeah, because the little little yellow hairs he has on well, top, and his and his face is like white. Like somebody took a bite out of an apple, and like his little eyes are like little apple seeds. Yeah. Well, he's actually the fire croc Pokemon, and he has two yellow things poking out the top of his head, like we said, that might. Uh, represent hair, perhaps. Wiggle-go. He also has little yellow spots on his stomach and his chest, which also could represent places where he'll have eventually he'll have hair. I know that a lot of times, like in cartoons, they'll have little yellow, you know, little patches where they'll eventually put hair when they go over. Uh, and then lastly, we have the water type, Quaxley, 
this is I think Quaxley has gotten the largest cult following thus far. Like people who are, you know, the hardcore Pokemon fans are like I would say not even hardcore, but like kind of like contrarian Pokemon fans, the funny ones. Mm-hmm. They're like people are saying, I'll I will kill for Quaxley. If you if we if they hurt Quaxley, I, I've we'll heard riot. the same thing like with Sprigatito. Yeah. My only thing with Quaxley, like I love his little quaffed hair, a little quiff of hair, mm-hmm. as you call it. Or you said it was a hat. It's supposed to be a hat, I think. It could be okay. quaffed though. It could be if if you I'm sorry. Like I, I think he's adorable, and I can't wait. But I'm just for some reason he looks like some privileged white dude that's going to like <laughs> like an Oxford college with like double pot collars. They need like, to put him in some Sperry's. They need to put him exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Like you know, and he's what is what do you call blue footed booby or something? Yeah, he's like that's he's got blue feet. Uh-huh. I don't know. I he just, just looks kind of preppy. He looks like he knows it all. Exactly. Or he's trying to get a note Thank you. Thank you. And if you hurt his feelings, he'll call his dad, who's a, who's the biggest yeah. lawyer from wherever he's from. <laughs> he's a partner. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is scheduled to be released worldwide uh, on the Nintendo Switch, of course, late November 2022. So not very long do we have to wait for this. And I know we've talked about it, you know. I mean, they've already built it. Come on. That's <laughs> it is already made. They made it at the same time as Legends Arceus. Um Yes, I completely agree with you. That It looks essentially like a more polished version of that open world concept, which, again, if you listen to our review of Arceus, we both loved and thought was incredible. We've, yeah, we've been waiting we've been, for this. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You stop finishing. <laughs> Sandwiches. <laughs> I was going to say. Aaron, why don't you go take us into our next bit of news here? I think I will. Yeah, because this is Hello. definitely, this is for you. Hello. 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 <laughs> so for the first time in the Halo franchise, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this before. Paramount Plus is producing, they're creating a Halo franchise, mm-hmm. like a Halo television show, mm-hmm. okay, for Paramount Plus. Uh, and in a recent interview with IGN, uh, the producer Kiki Wolfkill, which is a badass name. That is a, a great name. Kiki Wolfkill. Um, explains why we'll see the face of Spartan John 117. If you're not firmly aware, I listen to the show. Uh, I happen to be a John One One Seven fangirl, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, the Master Chief. Uh, he'll be played by Pablo Schreiber in the show, now, or Schreiber, I guess. You say Schreiber, maybe. Yeah. But um, so my issue with this, and, and I'll go into the rest of this kind of like in detail. But Judge Dredd, yeah, Judge Dredd was famous for never removing his helmet. Yeah, like it's part of his lore. Yeah, yeah, I think even doing research for this topic, I think they mentioned in the article that there are many characters that you don't see their face. Yeah. Uh, And then there are some who get the Darth Vader, you know, result where they show it and it's like, man. And a lot of that was because of what they went through. A lot of them were really scarred. A lot of them were, had, had, you know, cybernetic prosthetics Mm -hmm. because of the process of becoming, you know, a recruit as a child into a full grown Spartan. Yeah. You know, so. Was they said? I think we set out to tell a character story and a personal story, and once we really got into what that story was, it became clear that you really needed to see the person in the armor and under the helmet. That is absolutely not true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, do we because, though? I mean, if anybody, if you, to whomever has played Halo, yeah. any of the Halo franchise, post on you know, tag us in it, do a do a do a twit longer, but let us lo- let us know. Mm-hmm. Did you ever not feel any kind of connection to? You know, Master the Spartans, Chief, yeah. Master Chief, any of the, you know, any of the ODST, like you never saw their face, right, but right. you became, you know, like, like, like you had a relationship with them. I think know? even as personal, it, you know, giving them a face, it almost kind of takes away from the effect that you're in that POV seat, yeah. right? Like yeah. maybe someone playing Halo, maybe they see themselves as Master Chief in a way, yeah. like, and if you give them a face, that, then they can no longer associate themselves with that character as well, or at least not as uh, closely. 
Yeah. So they said while they will show Master Chief's face, the creators of the series still want to respect the fans who feel that Master Chief needs to keep his helmet on. Wolfkill says, for some people, it's been a momentous 20 years in the making. And for other people, it is something that feels very hard to imagine. We absolutely respect both sides of that fence, those who really want to see Cheese face and those who really don't. But for the nature of the story, it felt really important to connect with the Master Chief in a big, in a different way. And that meant showing his face. So basically, if you don't think that you want to see his face, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> well, I think this is like the Mando effect. Like this yeah. is the Mandalorian effect where they, they showed Din Djarin's face yeah. at the end of season one. And we were all okay with it. And again, I think we've said this many a times that not everyone is Mandalorian. There's something special about that character in that series. They've done it well. They've done. The, they put the legwork in. They've made it very apparent that he does not show his face very often. And who knows? Maybe they do a similar thing here with this TV series. You know, and, and maybe you and, see it one time. One time. One time. Um, I agree. Uh, so the ten episode Halo series is set to premiere on Paramount Plus March 24th of 2022. Mm-hmm. So that's this month. Yeah. Yeah. Which. So we're getting wow. we're getting Batman. We're getting more not Morbius. Are we getting Morbius this month? I think we are getting Morbius. Twenty seven. I think so. We're getting Morbius. We're getting Moon Knight, and we're getting Halo. Wow. I'm just saying, Paramount Plus. If you ruin, <laughs> let me talk to you. You ruin Halo for Plus. me. I we didn't will. even want you. We nobody nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for Paramount Plus. This is like their linchpin. If this doesn't work, yeah. Paramount Plus is done. I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> Star Trek didn't work out for them. At least I don't what, think what, so. Picard? Picard, I think Picard, outside Picard's of just doing Picard, well. Star, uh, Star Trek Discovery, I don't think people yeah, are really true. latching onto that like they thought they would. No. So Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Okay, moving on to our last bit of news here. We have Spider-Man, No Way Home director, well, not just No Way Home, but uh, Homecoming and Far From Home director, John Watts. What? What? Is rumored to helm the, a new Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. So John Watts, as we just said, the director of the Marvel Sony Spider-Man trilogy, may be embarking on a new adventure in a galaxy far, far away. The untitled project has been a working title, Grammar Rodeo, and it will go into production this summer. It's reported that Watts will be producing and directing at least one episode. John Favreau is said to be an executive producer on the project, which is a very good uh, thing, because a lot of times with Star Wars, if John Favreau or Dave Filoni are not involved, it has not been historically very good. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> so Collider reports that it could be a series based on Star Wars The High Republic that is being aimed at a younger audience. The series was previously described as Stranger Things in Space. Very interesting. The same report states that Disney Plus will uh, feature some actors ranging from preteens to teenagers. The High Republic era is set 200 years prior to the events of the prequel trilogy and has been the subject to several books and comics. And I think they might even be working on a game right now as well. So, Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? John Watts, we talked about it during our No Way Home review that he's kind of only done the Spider-Man trilogy. Now he's getting more work now. It's been announced that he's working on a film with, I think it's uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. They're doing a film, the three of them together. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he's getting a lot of work now because he's also doing the Fantastic Four with the Marvel, with Marvel Studios as well. So any interest in this? Any interest in the High Republic series? No. <laughs> Zero interest? Uh, I, I mean, I'll watch it to see if it's good. We'll probably review it for the show. But honestly, like, there's nothing that really like pulls me to this. I am... Yeah. I don't know. I just like if the Oblivion Bar didn't exist, you wouldn't probably watch this. Yeah. Okay. Fair sure. enough. I think I'm very in a similar boat as well. Well, that'll do it for our news and notes this week, guys. Uh, real quick, before we get into our main topic, uh, we want to quickly give another shout out to Rick's Comic City here in Clarksville, Tennessee. We're live here doing a show in their store right now at the Clarksville location. And Aaron actually wants to share something that they wanted to uh, have us mention here on the show. Yeah. 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 So if you were in 
around or near the Clarksville slash Nashville area. You guys got to come check out. They're doing an art cover auction. And I believe you can even check it out on their Facebook uh, as well. So Rick's Comic City. They have multiple Facebooks. You can look at the Fort Campbell one. There's Clarksville and there's a Nashville one. But yep. they're doing an art cover auction from March 17th through the 20th. Uh, all submissions uh, need to be in by March 16th. Uh, any blank cover comic book, any drawing, PG-13, um, and the artists keep 75% of the winnings. Yeah, so like an art competition yep. is what yeah. you're doing here. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's a so, that's an interesting uh, way to not only drive in traffic, but also reward people returning their own art. Yeah, yeah. And then like highlighting artists. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I think, yeah, that's... Again, I'm a huge fan, a huge proponent. We both are mm-hmm. a huge proponent of, of, of local entrepreneurship, yep. local businesses, local artists. I mean, it's all, it's, you know, when, when, when money fails, we will go to a bartering system, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and the artists will prevail. And the, and the, and the, those with skills yeah. will be kings That's and right. queens. So yeah, like we said, if you are in the area here in Tennessee and you would like to participate in this event with the uh, blank cover, please just visit any uh, Rick's Comic City location and ask them about this competition and make sure you bring in your own blank cover as well. So that sounds awesome. You know, I think it was Jack Kirby that once said, I'm not artistic, I'm creative, which is not true. He's very artistic, but also yeah. he's uh, super creative. Yeah. Uh, but I think that describes me better because I, I am not artistic in any fashion, yet I feel like I'm often trying to figure out new ways to be artistic or not artistic, to be creative and new creative outlets all the time. This even, being one of those things. This is another side quest. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think just the desire to want to make things is the, is creativity. Yeah. Like just that desire, because you know, they say desire, was it, was it, uh, well, there's a saying that they say something <laughs> like that where it's like, you know, necessity yeah. is a, is the mother of creativity. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Moving on. This is our uh, famous segment. Aaron and Chris try to figure out cliches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two in the hand is worth one in the, Basket pack, yeah, some one of those. Something. It's, a, yeah. it's, either, it's yeah. either in the basket like a or tree the backpack. And go home. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's go ahead and get into uh, some ads and promos from some of our podcasting friends, and we will be right back. I'm Miles from the Dis Dump Podcast. Do you have a mountain of DVDs, games, or music that you just can't decide what to do with? I do too. And the Dis Dump Podcast is all about deciding what you want to keep and what you want to dump. Do you like trying terrible drinks? Pumpkin pie soda. (laughs) And at the bottom, it says, y'all get your fixins. How about exploring weird ads for websites like Wish.com? Okay, so it's one of those silicone uh, torsos. And you get it right on the head of the Uh silicone torso. That has an advantage on this one. (laughs) Do you want deep intellectual discussions about the finer points of music, cinema, or game design? I have no idea where I am right now, so... Then check out the Disc Dump Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's disc with a C, by the way. Aaron, do you remember what it's like when we first started recording? If the world of podcasting was not hard enough to figure out, we also often experience issues with unreliable internet connections, dropped or lagging calls, or the limited recording times from the other online recording studios. Absolutely, man. We often had to re-record or invest in backup recording alternatives to make sure our show was always top-notch. But that's a thing of the past, right? That's absolutely right. Because here at the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast, we've officially switched over to Riverside.fm. Riverside.fm is the easiest way to record podcasts and video interviews in studio quality from anywhere. 
Bad internet connections don't affect the recordings because the platform records audio and video locally on each participant's device. The audio is uncompressed and the video is up to 4K resolution. Yeah, that's right. And they also just released a beta version of their new media board, which allows you to upload your own themes and transitions and include them in your recording on a separate track. So check them out at Riverside.fm and change the way you record your podcast. That's Riverside.fm and tell them the Oblivion Bar sent you. the episode's main topic for episode 70 of the oblivion bar podcast we're going to be talking about the batman fear is a tool when that light hits the sky it's not just a call it's a warning Okay, here we are, episode 70. We're talking and reviewing about, or talking and reviewing. <laughs> we were reviewing and talking about the Batman this week, Aaron. And like we said at the top of the show, this was probably our most anticipated film of the year. Spoilers ahead. We're going to have to spoil all the crap out of this three hour Man, movie. If we're I really wanted to, I'm, for the next review, I'm going to make a, um, like a sound bite. Uh-huh. And it's going to be spoilers ahoy, y'all. I'm gonna be add like the echo in there. Yeah. It's gonna be great. And every time we get ready to do a review, that I want that to be played. Sure, that's a good idea because you know, as you know, if you've listened to the Oblivion Bar before, anytime we talk about anything on the show, it is always spoiler free or not spoiler free. It's always spoilery because we need to talk about every facet. So should we try and be because there's people in the there store are people here at the here? store, and I don't know if everyone has seen the Batman, but yeah. uh, no, we're gonna go ahead and talk about everything okay. <laughs> unless someone okay. yells at us or gets mad at us. Yes, I just. We want to let everybody know that we might we're going to be talking about Batman. So if you don't want to hear about Batman, the Batman, uh, you might want to stay away from this corner of the store. 
That's right. <laughs> Eric just gave a PSA to everybody. Let yeah. them know that we were going to be talking about Spoilers! <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, Aaron, initial thoughts of the Batman. What did you think? Uh, it was, man, it was exactly what it's, it's what I expected, but it's also, I, I expected to be blown out of the water. So it's not, how do you, how do you, how do you phrase that? Like it, it was, it was good. It was great. It was great. Yeah. It was not but it, perfect. But it just didn't wow us. It didn't. Yeah. It wasn't wowy. Yeah. There's no wowy in this movie. <laughs> yes. Well, like that's also the tone. Yes. You know, like you, like we were talking about before and like we've said many, many times talking about the Batman coming out. Mm-hmm. It is a noir. It is a detective story, yeah. which is which it absolutely is. Which there's not a lot of in a te- detective story. Yeah. There's not a lot of shock and awe. Right. It's a slow build. It's a yeah. burn the entire time. A lot of twists and turns. And I will say, like, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just constant. Like, you know, most of the Batman films are like just like balls to the wall, like yeah. in your face fight scenes, action. flying scenes, action scenes, like ridiculous yep. stuff. Um, like, like Batman uh, Forever. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, it's boiling acid, you know, <laughs> and, and this one was just like, okay, uh, a lot well, of conversations. Yeah. A lot of conversations, a lot of clue finding, using, tool, using tools and different yeah. detective gadgets and whatnot. A lot of Batman standing there and saying nothing, <laughs> which again, I mean, I, I don't know if I should save this for the end of the review. Go ahead and say I, it now. I really feel like Robert Pattinson might be the best Batman. <laughs> Oh boy, a hot take that I've seen in a while. You know, I think uh, I think you're not off base there. I think he is. We've only seen one film. Okay, young Batman. Okay, year two Can Batman. I, year two young Batman. Like he is the like everybody else is kind of like set in their ways, sure. except for Christian Bale. Yeah, but <laughs> who basically became Batman at like 42? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, I, to kind of build off your initial take there, uh, similar thing for me i i enjoyed it i think that people i've already seen reviews and people online saying this is the best Batman movie of all time this is the best film i've ever seen which is cool if, if you enjoyed yeah. it like that kudos and i'm actually really happy for you i kind of envy you because yeah. i think there is a lot of great things here but it was not it's not my favorite and we'll we'll talk well, actually later in the episode we'll talk about our favorite mm-hmm. batman movies we'll actually rank yeah. i think it's nine of them 12 is it 12 okay it's yeah 12. So we'll actually rank all of them, and we'll let you know exactly where it stands. But I, I do feel the need to say this. Okay. Uh, I feel the need to say that there were moments where I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, there are and there are incredible moments. There are incredible moments, but like I think a perfect Batman thing just would have been like, and it's, I, I don't know if they can. I don't know if that's possible. It's so it's not really fair to be honest. Like yeah. we're sitting here talking about, it, we're saying this movie should have been incredible. It should have been on the same level as The Dark Knight, but. There's only one Dark Knight for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard for any film to accomplish what that film did and still does for a lot of us. And I'll defend my perspective on that later. Yeah, Aaron actually. <laughs> when, I sh- when I looked at his list, his top twelve Batman movies, I was like, "Oh boy, you're gonna need, you're gonna need to defend a lot of this because man, man, I'm oh ready. Man. Yeah, I'm ready. Should I go into my usual reading of the summer? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's get your more, more Batman than yeah. ever. Let's say because there's a little bit of a gruff. In the uh, Battinson, but it's not as where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so not as gruff. Okay. Two years of stalking the streets as the Batman, striking fear into the hearts of criminals, has led Bruce Wayne deep into the shadows of Gotham City, with only a few trusted allies: Alfred Pennyworth, Lieutenant James Gordon, 
Amongst the city's corrupt network of officials and high-profile figures, the lone vigilante has established himself as the sole embodiment of vengeance amongst his fellow citizens. When a killer targets Gotham's elite with a series of sadistic machinations, a trail of cryptic clues sends the world's greatest detective on an investigation to the underworld. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home, and the scale of the mysterious Riddler plan becomes clear, Batman must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued Gotham City. Did that hurt your voice doing that for that long? Because Robert Pattinson know. does that all four or five times in this movie. Long. <laughs> no, he does it all movie. Rorschach's Journal, October 31st. <laughs> I ate a can of beans. <laughs> the world is ending. The street reeks of prostitutes. <laughs> that it, And if I can just say, that was not my favorite creative decision to do that. There's a reason why Batman Lego opened up like that is because it's a trope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is a terrible trope. Why are we still doing this, Matt Reeves? Like, I understand the impulse because that was Batman for a long time. And, you know, a lot of Batman stories kind of open up with like an inner monologue or a diary entry. But to do it now where it's already been made fun of, it would be like another Ring movie to come out and it to be... Anything similar like the beginning or the first one because Scary Movie has already taken yeah. that movie and ripped yeah. it apart. I just I think back to again, oh my God, Adam West. Yeah. You know, when he would speak Bruce Wayne and Adam and and, and Batman uh-huh. all, all spoke exactly the same. Yeah. Like stood the same, same mannerisms, changed nothing. Right. And people were like, Who are you, Batman? And he's like, I'm at I'm Bruce. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, come on now. So there's, yeah, a, sense the whole... of, there's a sense of dis- disbelief that we should put into. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of the issue when it comes to making things this or, or trying to ground things in this level, because then they have to attempt to do things like this, where it's almost so self-serious that it's funny. Yeah. You know, if you add a little disbelief, then we can suspend our belief when things stupid like that happen. That's part of the reason why the Marvel Universe works is because there's a talking yeah. tree and a talking <laughs> raccoon. Anything they do is is okay now. Very true. I'm. I am. I will say to this day that I am sure that they that the reason that Groot exists mm-hmm. is because uh, Peter Parker like whipped the tree into that magical cage. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but but back to back to the the voice. Yeah, I mean, I think that was something that I I stopped. I think I've kind of stopped paying attention to it. Yeah. You know, because it's be- because it's become such a ridiculous thing, I've stopped allowing it to kind of creep into. I've like, I, I think I've like, you know, I kind of tuned it out. Sure. Yeah. You know? Even watching like The Dark Knight now, I, I noticed it when I first saw The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. But now that it's been made fun of so much, I just accept it as part of the story and who he and is. Also, it's kind of the other thing I was going to say was as far as the Batman, like like Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. talking his inner his inner monologue, yeah. his inner dialogue being that of Batman yeah. versus. Bruce Wayne, him talking to himself in that and like voice. narrating, like reading his diary. Yeah, it's funny. That's as I was gonna say. He's actually reading. This is supposed to be in his head, and he still yeah. he sounds like the Batman. So that just further proves the idea that in his in Bruce's head, it's not Bruce Wayne. It's yeah, Batman. Exactly. Yeah. So the director of this is of course Matt Reeves. Uh, a lot of people know him from Cloverfield in two thousand eight. He also did the last two films in the Planet of the Apes series. He had da- Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And we had War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, those were from 2014, 2017, respectively. And I've seen a lot of people say this, and I kind of agree with this, is that Matt Reeves has not made a bad film yet. 
I know he has a couple other films besides this that I have not seen, so I can't say for sure. But of the films that I've seen, again, Cloverfield, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes, arguably one of the greatest trilogies of all time. And I, I say that with, as the kids say, no cap. That is for <laughs> real. Matt Reeves, there's a reason why he was chosen for this. He was a, he was a surefire, this is going to be a good film. At least a good film. Maybe great. I'm not, I can't disagree mm-hmm. with you because I have only actually seen Cloverfield out of those. I've sure. never seen any of the Planet of the Apes films. You got to watch Dawn the current and ones, War. Yeah. Which I've had multiple people tell me to watch them. So I will have to get into those. Maybe because I have an upcoming work trip. Maybe I'll, I'll go ahead and check those out. But yeah. I again, I know that there's a big falling uh, mm-hmm. behind his his career, so I, I can't say that he's made anything bad. Right. So the one thing that I have seen, I did really enjoy. It wasn't universally accepted as a great film because Cloverfield, we you know that was around the time where those you know handheld the cam found footage, films. Found footage yeah. films were like a big thing, and so Cloverfield was for me. It was I, I knew I knew the background of it. Yeah, the, I the marketing was, was incredible for that. Yeah, film. it was supposed to be a reimagining of the Godzilla kind of kaiju attack on an American city, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, yeah, like you said, like all the secret background uh, websites and thing and research that people could do. That was just fun for me. Whereas a lot of people who just went into it to see this movie were like, oh, bleh, you know, I can't stand found footage. You know, well, and at that time, I think found footage was still kind of a novelty. Obviously, it wore thin it was, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, it was. It got it got old really quickly for a lot of people. But yeah, yeah, like I said, I mean that was the one thing that i did see that i enjoyed so i mean and, and i again i did enjoy this movie a lot mm-hmm. i i think that's the one the thing i need to keep saying because i i did enjoy it a lot we, we should kind of talk about this very quickly while we're ta- while we're already here is that uh, is it right for us to compare this film to the top tier batman movies should we have come into this is, is it is it even possible to watch the batman and go well how does that how does that kind of like stand next to the dark knight or Mask of the Phantasm, or just Batman eighty nine. So many different ways that you could you could come into this conversation right. with fr- from whichever stance, because you could go into it with again. One thing I've said is the multiverse look at it. Mm-hmm. You know how there's different Jokers, there's different multiverse uh, Batman, there's different some eras. some of the Batman exist as movies in the Batman universe. <laughs> exactly, and so for that, it's it's almost impossible to come into any of these discussions yeah. with you know especially especially with the batman it's a lot of preference yeah and so i think it's i don't think that we can necessarily come in and say this is you know th- compared to this one it's great or compared to this one it's terrible i think what we can do is we can say like personally this is like my new favorite or my new least favorite yeah but i don't think it's fair to come up to and be like this is so much worse than than the chris nolan or whatever series you know yeah i think that's a very interesting conversation and to, again, to compare one film and an entry, that's I'm sure it's going to be a multiple film. I think Pattinson and Reeves both signed on for three films. What that is, who knows? But to compare one installation compared to a trilogy that's already been finished for over 10 years now, where we all have a very fond, kind of like warm and fuzzy about it, to compare it to something that just came out this week is automatic, it's, it's like almost automatically not correct. We yeah. shouldn't do that, but we're going to do that anyway. That's what we're doing right now. And I think I, I completely agree with you. I think that we have to kind of look at it more so of like just very opinionated. This is my favorite version of the character. Because I think we both can agree. I, we haven't talked about it quite yet, but I think Pattinson, uh, you already said it. You said he's probably your favorite now. I think he might be my favorite as well. But his film is not anywhere. I'll, I'll say it right now. is not number one for me. Yeah. I, I I will echo 
that his film is not my favorite, but I will say that in the in the veritable types mm-hmm. of Batman yeah. that we've had and that we've experienced thus far, I will say that I think he also it's it's not just because he did a great job in this movie, yeah, and uh, and did surprise me a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the potential of what he could you know grow into. Sure. Yeah. I think that's and the world that was created for him. Exactly. That's very exciting. Gotham looks incredible in this movie. The opening scene to this where all the criminals are doing criminal things and they all think that he's right there. <laughs> yes. Dude. Like I am the shadow. Yeah. Like it was that was set up. Again, so yeah. Well. As stupid as those journal I don't I don't like the journal entries. I don't yeah. like that they did that. I think that was a, a bad creative decision. But the setup for what we were seeing, I think mm-hmm. really paid off and it looked incredible again was he there you know was he on the train was he hiding again, behind the shadows th- yeah that's the whole point yeah. of batman is that he is supposed to possibly be in the shadows yeah. and regardless of of presence or not striking fear into the hearts of these evildoers he is the shadow as he says in the film like you just said a second ago as well so to quickly go back to reeves he actually only had he and pattinson they had two stipulations essentially to, to sign on to this film number one Reeves had to have complete creative control. No outside help. No, you know, commingling from the Warner Brothers studio or anything like that. The executive. Yep. And uh, it's basically him and his frequent collaborator, Dylan Clark, are the only producers on this movie. And actually, I told you this on the way into the film, and I thought that was really interesting. Because a lot of these big budget superhero films, a lot of the time, they require four, sometimes five, and an executive producer in order to everyone's got their hand in the pot trying to do something in order for these films to be made because there's so much money. We'll talk about how much the budget is here in just a moment. Uh, and then the, st- the other stipulation was that it had to be completely separate from the rest of the DCEU. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a good decision because that is a hot mess over there right now. Could be getting better. We'll see this year. We've got three, three other films to watch in 2022. But right now, do not put, especially this version of Batman, in that universe. Exactly. Yeah. Aaron, why don't you quickly talk about the uh, the music here? Because I think that's almost a character in itself and one of yes, one of the, one best. of the best parts uh, of this. Movie. Instantly iconic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Giacchino, he is the he wrote the main theme of the song uh, to the Batman before he, the movie was even uh, went into production. Yeah, and I wanted to quickly while we're on that topic, um, I want to just go over some of the films because a lot of times, and I'll just kind of give you a little peek behind the curtain here with Aaron and I. A lot of times, I'll list a lot of the more notable works in their career but giacchino the dude is decorated okay he's maybe one of the best living composers right (laughs) now that list the incredibles ratatouille up inside out coco incredibles 2 a couple of the uh a couple of the um i don't i don't have it right here in front of me but a couple of the uh, mission impossibles spider-man far from home spider-man no way home he also is doing thor love and thunder so what you're saying is he's a winner yes he's done everything that he's done here recently has been incredible. He also has a very decorated gaming uh, soundtrack career. He did a lot of Medal of Honor, a lot of Call of Duty. We would be here all day if we were talking about all the different uh, things that he's done in his career. It's incredible. He actually, he composed the original Call of Duty. That's pretty cool. But anyway, this Batman score is, when they did that screen test Mm -hmm. back a couple years ago, I thought this, and I didn't say it out loud because I didn't want to, I didn't want to seem hyperbolic. I didn't want to seem like I was getting too excitable off the top. I was like, this might be my favorite now. I mean, yeah. Batman 89, of course, incredible. It is nostalgic. It is honestly what I think when I hear, when I think of Batman, I, th- I hear that score. But this right here. 
That right there is incredible. But also this is just, and it fits so well. It really, and, and that's what, it blew my mind actually when we were talking about this. Uh, I think we were talking about this last night where you mentioned that this was written prior mm-hmm. to, the, to the movie actually going into production, which yeah. is, is crazy to me yeah. that they could even do it. Because, you know, I, I imagine like, I, I, don't, I don't know if you ever saw these, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. These come out for like Disney movies yeah. and animated stuff where you have a bunch of people like in a room, mm-hmm. like like a little small orchestra set and they're and they're watching the movie on the screen and they're like, you know, playing out the music, <laughs> you know. So to me, it's like it's, that's that's really interesting. That's what I that's how I imagine the soundtracks being made. Obviously, it takes longer to write a song and create it. But for this movie, it's just like everything fit so well. The scenes like. The, the the they use it a lot too they yeah it took to, to, to build the mood yeah that just set the mood excuse me it was yeah there were so many times where it was just like what the hell is happening or like oh my god this is gonna be exciting or like it just added to it yeah like there's a scene where you first feel the batmobile coming <sighs> on we're gonna talk about that that is <laughs> that's my favorite part of the, part of the entire film was the yes. first the reveal of the batmobile uh let's do like the, let's say the budget real quick so the budget for this was 200 million dollars uh-huh. uh, pretty standard Standard. That's yeah. like every superhero film nowadays yeah. from both Marvel and DC. And that was actually increased from 185 million to 200 to help secure a release date in China, mm-hmm. which is currently the world's most important movie-going market. Yeah, they add basically. It says the most important, but I, I would still argue that maybe America is number one because we're always number one. We're a couple of red-blooded Americans, but <laughs> <laughs> spread it on. Hand me my Bud Light before I say this. No, but like I honestly, China, of course, is one of the largest uh, film markets. But the thing is, if they don't receive a film, a lot of times that that film that they didn't get still will be successful because of America. Domestic. There's a reason why that we have domestic, domestic box yeah. office and worldwide box office. So we are still going to the theater. We're still watching films, all that good stuff. So, but China is very a close second, and I think it's I think it's they say it's the most important because it's bigger. They're obviously much bigger. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the Batman is conservative, conservatively estimated to make between 100 and 125 million in its opening weekend, mm-hmm. which is roughly around half of what Spider-Man No Way Home made in its first three days. Kind of incredible. 260 million dollars, and, and isn't Spider-Man No Way Home that's now the third highest grossing, third highest grossing domestic film Where's of all it? time, behind yeah. Avengers: Endgame and The Force Awakens. Yep. So the reason why I put that in there was not to create beef among the Marvel and DC fans. Aaron and I, we both said multiple times that we love both and there's nothing wrong with loving both. Of course, you actually should love both. If you don't love, if you only love one because you want to be a contrarian, then you're dumb. Easy gatekeeper. Yes. Oh, no. I'm, I'm saying that you shouldn't gatekeep. <laughs> you shouldn't gatekeep with the DC universe. You're gatekeeping the gatekeepers right now. And that's the only time you should gatekeep is yeah. when you're gatekeeping gatekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep that gate open. Just like bullying. You should never yeah. bully anyone unless you're bullying a bully. Like Captain America. Uh, I, yeah, I can do this all day. Okay. <laughs> so the reason why I put that in there is just because to show the gravity of Spider-Man No Way Home and how incredible that reception was. We talked about this last night, leaving dinner, talking about how much of an event Spider-Man No Way Home was. And I think that the Batman, it was an event. You know, people were excited about this. But Spider-Man, I, and I said this last night, I, I agree with this still, this just shows how much more popular Spider-Man is than any other character in the world. I, mean, I think of Batman, Batman is the linchpin of the DC universe right now. Maybe the linchpin of Warner Brothers as a whole, as a company. Eh. Their comics, there's nine Batman comics out right now. Yeah. Okay. Com- comically, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would argue only because right now, just Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, Spider-Man, Tom Holland, like all, like that whole franchise is so 
accessible. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Versus Batman right now, because really, like Batman has been Batman, the Batman mythos, the Batman universe, the DC EU, mm-hmm. DCU has all been kind of kind of shuttering its own doors. Yes. It's, so, it's itself becoming kind of gatekeepy because it's very adult. Yeah, and so that's that's a problem that we face right now. Batman, I mean, Batman used to be the the number one superhero mm-hmm. on on the planet. Yeah, you know, and the '90s happened. I think Spider Man took over. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Spider Man, X Men, like then X Men movies, and then Spider Man movies, and it's just like it's it just kind of like became a little incestuous in the in the Marvel universe. Right. Uh, but yeah, well, I mean, and could you imagine I, taking a six year old? To go see the Batman and them seeing that opening okay, scene. First off, there were kids. There, did the, you see those? Yeah, there were kids that are showing today. There were, there were, there were young children. There were people literally being beaten to death on. Screen. The opening scene is the Riddler beating the crap out of the senator. Yeah, or the yeah. I guess a, a mayor. Excuse the me, mayor. Yeah, and and I'm just like, I just want to shout like, I'm glad you brought your kids to this. You right. know, like like what? Not just being killed, but being like bludgeoned to death with yes. a with a carpet. Whatever you want to call that. What they what they what they call that what, in the movie? You called it a tucker. A tucker. Yeah. A tucker. So. That's and you're absolutely right, Spider-Man. There's no, there's none of that, you yeah. know, necessarily. So let's go and get into the cast, Aaron. Go ahead and go over the cast here, and mm-hmm. if I can say really quick before we get into it, though, incredible across the board. There's not, in my opinion, oh, a weak yeah. link of anyone oh, yeah. here. Everyone oh, yeah. delivers 100. percent The only person I was worried about was Zoe Kravitz, and she wowed me yeah. in this. Um, so we'll go, you know, from from top to bottom. Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne, Batman. Or is it Batman slash Bruce Wayne? Yeah. You know? Who comes first? Yeah. Chicken or the egg? Uh, <laughs> There's another cliche for you. <laughs> so Zoe Kravitz is Selena, Kyle, and Catwoman. Paul Dano uh, as Edward Nashton. Dano? Dano. Paul Dano yep. as Edward Nashton or Edward Nigma. E. Nigma. <laughs> uh, the Riddler. Uh, Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth, which was a interesting choice, but he did a good job. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. Great job. J- John Tuturo. As Carmine Falcone. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. The Jesus. <laughs> Point is, are you ready to be fucked, man? I see you roll your way into the semis. Dios mío, man. Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> There's a little Big Lebowski quote for you. Colin Farrell, <laughs> or Colin Farrell, if you want to do Farrell. As Oswald Cobblepot Penguin. Jeez, Colin Farrell's in this film? Yeah, is he? I, don't, I wouldn't know. I don't think he uh, is. And then, and then, <laughs> and then our Peter Scars. We got our Scars guard. We got our one here. Scars guard as Gil Coulson. Yeah. So you know you can't have a movie without a Scars guard. We've said that multiple times here on the show. If you don't have a Scars guard in your in your movie, straight to video, straight to video, straight to voodoo, v- straight to VHS. <laughs> yeah, you don't even get a DVD or Blu-ray release. DVD, you get a VHS to the dollar store, ninety-nine cent VHS bin. So who is your standout in this? You can't say Robert Pattinson because we already have said that he's possibly our favorite Batman. So obviously he did a great job. I, I would say, okay, so it's it's either a, a, a toss up. You got to say one. You can't no no ties in this one. Paul Dano. Okay, so he was he was scary. 
He was scary. Yes, he was essentially the Zodiac killer, right? I mean, he was every Zodiac killer, like high school shooter, yep. like like edge lord. Uh, just, just like my mind is still blown. Deep, like his, dark his, web. Yeah, like and and conspiracy theorist. You know, uh, just insane. Yep. Like he did such a good job. I would definitely say that he's he's the standout for me. Sure, I I would totally agree with that. Again, we've already said the cast across the board is incredible, but. I, I think it's almost like criminal to not give it to Colin Farrell because again, oh, he's not in the film. He's not. It's literally Oz Cobblepot. It's incredible. He, he did so good, and it like, and you don't even see La Rata. What did he say? La Rata. La Am I the only one who speaks Spanish here? <laughs> he did a great. And, job. You know, you guys don't know the difference between Ellen La. Whoa, 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 sweetheart, sweetheart. <laughs> No, he did an amazing job. He is he that that was the penguin to me. I got you. I got you. <laughs> let's let's kind of transition here. Yeah, since sorry. we're already talking about you know the penguin here, which he is a derogatory term for him in this film. That chasing with the Batmobile, the first time we've seen this Batmobile. Yes. Well, Chills, no, not goosebumps. not not the first time we've seen it we, used. Yeah, we've seen it in promo. We see it in earlier in the film under a tarp. Yeah. But the first time we see it being used and the sound it makes. Oh, my God. When it's starting up, it's like. It sounds like a jet starting up. Like a jet turbine engine, which I think it actually has a turbine engine, doesn't it? I think I heard at one point, yeah, that they they'd possibly either use or use a concept for a jet. This Batmobile is very much pulled right out of the 1970s. Neil Adams, Dennis O'Neill. This is basically just a Camaro with a jet engine attached to it. And it's, it's so like there's no there's no cool oil slicks. There's no like machine guns in the headlights. Yeah. It's just a tough ass yeah. tank of a car. It's not the tumbler. It's not like yeah, a tank. Yeah. But yeah. it is. You, he runs over a cinder block at one point or like a giant piece of like, like a, yeah, it's one of those cement like tubes that they use for like, you know, like uh, drainage or something. Yeah. He, run, he just drives. Doesn't right even stop the vehicle at all. Oh, my God. He hits like a that, couple of different semis. The 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 this, the chase scene with the Batmobile is honestly my favorite part of this entire movie. I, if, if there was nobody else in the room, I would have been squealing. You know, <laughs> I could I mean, hear Aaron squealing next like, to me. <laughs> I was just smiling so huge because again, and this was another scene where the music fit it yes. so well because they they went dun 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 yeah. dun, and then you hear the yeah. and then dun 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 like it just like matched up perfectly yeah. with whatever the Batmobile was doing at that time. No, no, I gotta I gotta throw this out there. Okay, so one of my favorite things about this was especially the scene. Yeah. Was if you watch Robert Pattinson while he's filming this, he's almost smirking while he's driving. Yeah. Thing. Like I honestly felt like I was like empathizing joy from him. Yeah. Like I, that's what it just felt like it would like you know like because it was brand like he had just finished building it possibly yeah. and it's just like his first time taking it out and he's just having 
like causing all the destruction. But but that's the thing. He's still a young kid yeah. or young guy. Yeah, he's still mid twenties. Yeah, he's still he's still kind of coming into his own. Why can't he enjoy a little bit? Yeah, he's brooding a lot in this film. Almost every other scene in this film. But uh, yeah, when he's driving around the Batmobile, chasing down the penguin, you can tell he's having a little bit of fun. You can see in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this film is pretty long, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Two hours and fifty six minutes long, and. We were walking out, and we decided that we wanted to try to keep this as close to the vest as possible as far as our opinions go. But the first thing you said before I could say that was, that didn't feel like it was three hours long. But I said, I felt like it was. It, it did feel like three hours. Right? Yeah. And only because there were three endings to this film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, generally a film has three acts. This one had five, maybe six. Yes. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a part in the film where you feel like it's about, like it could end. Yeah. There's a part where you feel like it should end. Yep. And there's a part that you're glad it didn't end. And then there's the part where it does end. Yeah. And you're, there's a part where you're like, that's it? Yeah. You know, like, 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 cause you could, you could, you know, you can't wait for more. Right. So there's like multiple emotions and feelings that go right into this. Yeah. And I, that kind of segues perfectly into my biggest gripe with this film. What did you think of the ending? What did you think of that fight there at the Gotham City Square, the, the stadium there? Cause I didn't love it. I, I would say that it was a little anticlimactic as far as... Which is funny because I feel like that's what they were trying to go for. They were trying to make the ending climactic by having that yeah. big battle with a bunch of different Riddlers. But then it ended up falling on its face a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's really what it was, was because there was like no... The, because by the time you get back to the like to the like what seems to be the end of the film, yeah. you've already captured the main villain like the the there's there's multiple villains in this obviously we've already right. captured the main person the one we're going after in this the film. one we're going after the one because like i told you in the, in the movie at one point i almost completely forgot they were going after the riddler yeah when they get you they know? find his house when they find him like okay and then it just it goes into like other stuff yeah. and it's like um uh, oh yeah okay yeah. you know yeah. um He's just hanging but, out at a diner too yeah and then, and then but but at the same time okay you got like these you know fangirls of his they're like going out and trying to like finish his, his mission. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. Um, it's like a this, militia, edgelord, edgelord militia. Yeah. It's like there's no big bad. It's just a bunch of little bads. It's kind of a metaphor for Gotham in a way. Like, sure, you can take down the Riddler, but there's so much more. And that kind of goes back to the yeah. beginning of the film, too, where he talks about how he can't be everywhere at once. And how a lot of times the idea of Batman and him being the shadow, as he yeah. says, is almost as important as him being there. Obviously, he takes down those kids in that train station. But, like, had the Batman not been present, there would be a lot. That, that uh, person who robbed the uh, grocery store might yeah. have gotten away. Well, and I do see that because, in, I mean, in this case of this final battle, mm -hmm. it really wasn't necessarily just the Riddler. Like, it, you, you, again, you know how we talk about how the city itself mm -hmm. is a character in this movie? Yeah. All right. The city itself. Is almost the enemy. Yeah, is almost the big bad. Everything that's going on at one time, all of this this chaos, that's the big bad. Can he make it through to the end? Can he battle every piece of this thing right. and still make it through to the end? Could he, could he ever? Could he ever? Could he? Could he? And then still, and then still showing the people of Gotham that he is a part of that city. Yeah. Which I mean, does it work? The, so this asks the same question as the Dark Knight, which is, he has to be the Batman that they need, not the one that they deserve. Mm -hmm. You know, he's this character, he's this person who, and <laughs> we talked about this going into the movie today. It's so funny because this is exactly what the movie asks of us is, should this person be using his wealth to be doing what he's doing? I don't know. 
but and 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 the movie does answer that. Like I don't want to go too much into that uh-huh. because people still want like want like I mean it does. So so there was two things that, you, that we went into this movie wondering about. Yeah. Are they, you know, are they going to address the mascara? Yeah. <laughs> which they do. Yes. Which they do. We understand why he has eye paint on. And are they and they are they going to address that he could be doing more for the city financially versus just being the Batman? And they absolutely do. And I think that they actually approach both of those in a very realistic way and fit it into the story and his growth as a vigilante slash superhero. I think that this and and again, I, I this like as I think about it more, which obviously you know the movie's very fresh for us. We just came out of it like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the answers that come from this, once you start kind of going over it, mm-hmm. like, what is he going to do next? Like, this is very, very obviously year two. This yeah. is still, like, he's this not is... that great of a detective quite yet. No, like, he's, he's good. He's a great detective, but, you know, he still has a lot he has to learn. Faults. Yes. He has faults. Um, he still is learning self-control. He's still learning, like, his emotions, mm-hmm. which he talks about in the movie. I think that there, this is, so far, almost every Batman, other than the Christopher Nolan series, has really... Because in, in the Christopher Nolan, we only see brief flashbacks of him developing into the Batman. Right. You know, yeah, Batman begins with him kind of like it's, getting the pieces. It's him but getting into being Batman, then the Dark Knight is him already being Batman. Yeah, and he's so already the Batman. Yeah. But this movie was very much like a like it, it was less of his training into it because he's already trained. Right. He already has all of his skills. He already has all of his gadgets. But he's still developing as a person yeah. and as a vigilante into this role. And I and I really I really liked how they they did more of a of a focus on him versus what he went through. Right. And then also to kind of go back a little bit, Batfleck had already been Batman for a long time. And then yeah. this was him kind of going back into it. Yeah. Like, really a lot of these, he had already been a lot of these Batman movies. He's been Batman for a long time and rarely do we actually get one like this one because you said, now this is something I wanted to ask you. Okay. Okay. Now Batman hush. Yes. That one was about him develop. Like what was, cause in this movie we actually see a scene, like a, like a, uh, a picture of a news article yeah. that says hush yeah it's whenever he, the riddler is uh basically showing bruce wayne his family's like rotten like like yeah. like yeah so is that what batman hush was about so hush hush is kind of like an ensemble that's i think it's written by jeff Loeb, illustrated by jim lee kind of an ensemble of like multiple different villains going after batman at the same time along with the character of hush which is kind of a letdown for a lot of people I have kind of a hot take that I'm not a huge fan of Hush, and I should mm-hmm. be. I feel like Hush is like catered for me, but mm-hmm. I read it and I will, I'm always underwhelmed by it. This film, I think this is a great transition into that. I think that was more of just an Easter egg that okay. what we saw in the film, but Hush has been one of the comics that they have said is inspired this movie. Yeah, but that's I, why I, I think it's more so like The Long Halloween, of course. Yes. Batman Ego, which is my favorite Batman story of all time, and then Batman Year One, even though it's not Year One, but it shows him having faults especially well his relationship with catwoman i think is what comes from year one mm-hmm. your catwoman is a huge part of batman year one so i think that they took elements from that and put that into this film so we kind of talked about earlier the moments they're really incredible moments you know the batmobile scene the opening scene the scene where he's in the police station has to get away things like that were amazing i, I also really like the interrogation scene between him and the riddler yes that was really cool I think that that was one thing that was also a very um, well done <clears throat> part of this or parts of this movie mm-hmm. was the relationships between Batman and the city yeah. and also the components of the city, the relationships between him and, uh, and Gordon, mm-hmm. the relationship between him and 
you know, uh, Alfred and, you know, like Zoe Kravitz, like all of these were kind of like, they, they felt new. They didn't feel like the old rehashed, like, uh, you know, relationships that we'd always seen before where, you know, Carmine Falcone, he, he hates him. He wants to kill him or, you know, like the Alfred Pennyworth being this, you know, super like, I'm not going to support you because I think you need to be safe and have a life. No, yeah. he actually supported him in this. He actually cared about you him. You tell he doesn't like it, but he's still helping him. Exactly. Yeah. And there, and there was just like, and also the fact that can we, can we finally like appreciate the fact that Alfred was more of, I'm, I'm not going to say more of a father figure, but more of a figure that helped maintain the Bruce Wayne lifestyle right. versus taking care of everything for Batman. Right. Yeah. He's like, no longer a Butler. I think we've, we've all kind of collectively yes. as a culture realized that Alfred is no longer his Butler. He is more so just like a surrogate father who has helped raise him. Yeah, and, and in this movie, they show it more so because, you know, Bruce Bruce Wayne is the one doing all the work. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not Alfred Pennyworth sitting at the computer, at the back computer, like going over dad all. Yes, he has those skills. Right. You know, and he helps him, you know, with the, with the, you know, some of the puzzles. The ciphers and whatnot. The ciphers and everything. Yeah. But he doesn't build the car for him. He doesn't do maintenance and, me- and mechanic work, you know. And again, uh, I'm going to say I really enjoyed the relationship. That, that they built with uh, Selena Kyle. Yes. I really enjoyed... I generally don't love that relationship, but I, I agree with you. That that relationship with this film, you could tell that they wanted to kind of give in to each other and, and be something, but they don't because they both also have to look out for themselves. I, I kind of saw it a little bit different. Uh, their relationship was one of... I want to say, like, yes, there was, a, there was definitely an attraction, mm-hmm. but there was definitely... It, because she at both times that they kissed like she kissed him yes and he held back like that's what i would expect a batman to do yeah I, he held back so much like he didn't really he didn't really give in because that was that was drawing the line he keeps everyone alfred uh gordon catwoman at arm's length doesn't matter who you are the closest <laughs> he gets to is alfred where he holds his hand in the hospital yeah. everybody else it does, like even at one point he says you're not my father you know like he keeps everyone very much but that was again that was showing his his adolescence still rearing its its head, him yes. still becoming the the again the adult because as we see in the movie, you know, like like Alfred's having a hard time getting him to act like Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And as this as this film progresses, even though it's like less than a week, mm-hmm. he's still slowly progressing into wearing like the suits and going to these functions and doing this stuff. And I think I think a lot of that was again I think they just they to, yes it was three hours but they told a great story that only happened in a couple of days. Right. Yeah, and to thank you for bringing us back here because it being three hours, again, I feel like it, it was all bit of those three hours. But uh, the Batman is actually, it's the fourth longest DC film to date. So we have Watchmen, the director's cut, is three hours and seven minutes. We have Watchmen, the ultimate cut, which is three hours and 35 minutes. And then we have Justice League, the Snyder cut, four hours and two minutes. Staggering. Isn't it hilarious that all three of those are Zack Snyder films? <laughs> I'm seeing a trend here. But this is the longest solo Batman film of all time, pretty easily. So, uh, Aaron, we're getting near the end here. Um, let's talk briefly about the unseen Arkham prisoner, okay? Towards the end of the film, Batman has saved the day, in a way. The Gotham is flooded, but people are alive, so that's good. You only see about 50 people of this metropolis, so a lot of those slums... <laughs> again, think about it too hard, it's not very... It's not, not it's a good deal. Definitely not a good take. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the film makes you think that he saved the day. And we see the Riddler in prison. We see him, well, not in prison. He was in Arkham Asylum. And a voice starts talking to him. A kind of a higher-pitched person in the next cell. And uh, Definitely in a good mood. Yeah. And he also happy to be there. 
He uses the word clown. Yes. So we can only assume, and based on the very shadowy, prosthetic-looking face that we see, we can only assume that this is the Joker in this universe. And uh, I actually had to do a little bit of research to figure out who that was, because I'm curious, if they're already going to be introducing the Joker, they better already have an actor who's going to be playing the Joker. Mm -hmm. And that is none other than Barry Keegan, who we just recently saw in The Eternals as Druig, the mind control, is he good, is he bad guy. So I thought that was cool. I think he's a great actor. He's in a lot of A24 films, so you mm -hmm. know that I've seen, I've seen some films of his, and I think he's, he's great. He plays a lot of times, his, his version of acting is a lot like how he was in Eternals. Kind of a stoic, blank face. Kind of just like, he looks like a blank slate on his face all the time. So I'm very interested to see what his take is on the Joker. He's a great actor. I'm not trying to like take anything away from him. But it seems like a very interesting choice. So what did you think when you saw the Joker there? I mean, I I kind of enjoyed the the banter mm -hmm. that he, he was trying to have yeah. with the Riddler. So for me, it was definitely, uh, it wasn't your... Like, hey, Betsy, you know, it was just like this kind of like <laughs> was it Mark Hamill. Yeah, it wasn't. It was this like conversation that he was having, you know, and like the little references that he was dropping with, you know, like, you know, when he said clown and yeah. some other things. So and you only really again, you only, like you only saw like, saw like a, a shadowy kind of, you know, profile a silhouette silhouette mm -hmm. through with a, you could see a little bit of a of, of the hair, nose and the chin the nose and some his, eyes. I actually was seeing I it looked like his I, teeth were kind of pointed yeah. a little bit like they look kind of sharp for some reason. So I am I am very excited to see where they take it. Joker's one of my favorite villains. I mean, I, I know he's just that it's not a bandwagon thing. I've always had a thing for 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 the Joker and kind of how he has been developed. Yeah. Um, and we like I am I am again just like I was with Batman. I'm always kind of cautious about how they develop a a, jo a new Joker. Maybe even more so. Yes. Because you know to kind of speak on the difference between Batman and the Joker. We were sitting here talking about how Pattinson might be our favorite Batman, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, it felt very easy to come to that conclusion. Whereas the Joker, there are equally as many options, but you have Heath Ledger. You know, you have Jack Nicholson. You have Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. There's so many different versions of the Joker, and they're all incredible. It just, it feels a little bit harder to decide that that is the best version. Yes. You know, it just, I, I don't know what it is. Because there's different interpretations as well. Whereas the Batman often is just the batman he's just bruce wayne it's just more again i think i think you have to look at like jokers batman bruce wayne's all of them. you have to look at them for the universe they're in mm -hmm. the the art style the directorial style like all those different styles you can't necessarily compare them to who is better than whoever you can like just really compare it to who's your favorite sure because there's just two there's no way to like really compare they all, them all offer something different exactly yeah. you know like you know we all know that jack nicholson was was great he's the clown you know he's yeah and then you had i mean even even mark hamill played i want to call he was like the the comedian the, not the comedian he was the joke the jokester or something he, yeah. he it was it was one of the cw shows he trickster. trickster. I think he was yeah. the trickster yeah. uh, in the Flash, and he was again very like it, it's a play on very Joker esque. Yeah. yeah, so it's like it's always a different art style. Sure. It wasn't the Joker, but it was Joker ish. Sure. So let's yeah, we'll we see. Can, we'll see yeah. what Barry Keegan has to bring to the bring to the table here. So to kind of round out our review here, let's go over some fun facts here. Aaron. So uh, speaking of the Riddler from earlier a couple a couple years ago, there were rumors that Jonah Hill was actually approached for the role of the Riddler, and it turns out that was true. But he actually turned it down due to some disagreements over the character arc in the film. So wasn't the penguin? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I said I said the Riddler. Sorry, it was the Penguin. You're correct. <laughs> I apologize. So um, I, I know that Jonah Hill was speculated to be in the movie in some capacity. Obviously, he was going out for the Penguin, and uh, I think that's a, a good call. And now he's just a random guy on the sidewalk number three. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson received the same advice from predecessors of the respective roles, Michelle Pfeiffer and Christian Bale, respectively. Uh, and they uh, basically said, go to the bathroom before you put the suit on because you won't be able to afterwards. <laughs> Aaron, why don't you go, to a couple, go over a couple here? Okay, so uh, Jason Momoa, who doesn't really look too much older than Zoe Kravitz, is actually married to her mother, uh, Lisa Bonet. Yeah. <laughs> so I find that interesting. Yeah. This is the first version of Batman to directly address the, the black eye makeup like we talked about mm-hmm. under his cowl. Uh, because whenever, whenever you know, previous movies, whenever he removes the cowl, he the, somehow the, has no. He somehow has a clean face and no. I eyes. always think of Michael Keaton when he tears off his rubber cowl. Yeah. <laughs> he like just tears it off and he's just clean. Yeah. The thing that also kind of bothered me about like every, I was secretly thinking this, you know, throughout the movie, and he's like, "It's not a face, mom." You know, because like <laughs> his like hair Robert, was always like right. Robert in his eyes. Pattinson is so like he's so emo in this. An emo, like I just imagine like. My Chemical Romance playing in the background all the time, like oh, I need to do the hair whip, like God, Alfred, I just want to go out with my friends, you know, my super friends, yeah, <laughs> you know. And, so uh, he says Bruce took his mask. Matt Reeves said, "I just love the idea of taking off the mask, and under that, there's the sweating and the dripping and the whole theatric theatricality of becoming this character." Which I, I actually really, I, I think I dug that a lot more. Yeah, this this you film, know. I feel like this film. When I think of the Batman, I think of like wet leather. Like I just, I smell wet leather in my head. Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Liza Gonzalez, Anna de Armas, Hannah John Kamen, and Natalie Emmanuel, Alicia Vikander, and Ella Belinska screen tested for Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Can I just say really quickly, I love Anna de Armas. She's one of my celebrity crushes, so I would have loved to have seen her in this role. I think Zoe Kravitz did a great job, but that would have been perfect. I think Anna De, Anna de Armas would have been chef's kiss as Catwoman. Mm. So uh, we have Robert Pattinson revealed while screen testing that while he had the suit on, he actually took a little little snaparoo, a little Snapchat, just in case it didn't work out, which I would have done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't, you're an idiot. Yeah. Director uh, Matt Reeves stated that while writing the screenplay, he listened to the track Thank God for the Rain from the soundtrack Taxi Driver on loop. Don't tell Martin Scorsese that because he hates superhero, he hates movies, superhero films. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen in this movie, uh, the one where the Joker says, Hit me! Hit me. The Dark Knight in 2008. Dude, I want you to do it. I want you to um, do it. It was shot on the same street in Chicago in South LaSalle Street, West Marble Place, facing the Chicago Board of Trade Building. That's really cool. Uh, Matt Reeves stated that Colin Farrell's Penguin takes inspiration from the character Frito in, from The Godfather, which came out in 1972, which I can see that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was Zoe Kravitz's idea for Catwoman to have those long ass scary nails uh, without nail polish on them, mm-hmm. so they looked more like claws, which they did. I think that was something I noticed throughout the entire film. Yeah, 
was just like her claws were just like they were they they just white long white and they looked like very thick yeah they looked like you could you could easily like which she used them for that yeah she does well aaron let's kind of round out our review here with our ranking of all the batman films as usual as usual we have to rank them all and then we'll give our rating out of five david winers now we would like to summon the power of you know our lord and savior yes david a winer david a winer please hear our hymns hear our please <laughs> all right so i'll go ahead and start us off with here with with my rating so okay. at number one the dark knight of course oh i thought we we're gonna david a winer it not oh do you want to do ratings first we can do ratings first let's do ratings first okay, okay. yes okay so out of five david a winers as we yeah. have said many a times david a winer is our lord and savior mm-hmm. uh he is our rating system we've had him on the show Possibly have him on the show again. Yes. Uh, director. Director. Documentarian. In Search of Tomorrow. In Search of Darkness. In uh, Search of overall Search of Last great Action dude. Hero. Yep. Yep. So, Aaron, out of five David Winers, what are you going to give The Batman? I'm going to give it a four. Me too. Four out of five David Winers. Really good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Really fun. Really fun. Better than fine. Better than, better than good. Less than great. Mm-hmm. Maybe close to great, but still less than great. It's closer to great than it is to fine. I concur. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go over our actual ratings here. So do you want to start from the bottom? I already said my number one, but I think that's pretty obvious for me. Do you want to start at the bottom and go from there? Um, let me pull up mine real quick. Okay. Just so I have it in front of me. Aaron's last place Batman okay. film is the one that I think I have the most issue with. Okay. Yeah. Already. Go ahead. Okay. So at number 12, is it 12? Yeah. At number 12, I have Batman v Superman. That's my least favorite Batman movie of all time. Batman Begins for me. Oh, boy. Explain that one for me. Why do you not like Batman Begins? Okay, I really dislike the fact that they tried to pass a Christian Bale off as a young, as a young straight out of long wavy hair. Yeah, and like give him a trench coat, and you know, it's like to me, there's there's just a lot of too too much of a reach. Okay, in a lot of those scenes, you know, I don't think that a lot of it just really like fit because Chris, you know, this these Christopher Nolan ones, Mm -hmm. um, to me, were like trying to be like uber realistic. Yeah. You know, and I just think that some of it was was just a little bit too far of a reach for me to like be like, okay, I I can see that. Sure. You know, like him climbing to the top of a mountain with nothing to get a little blue flower and go to a, you know, a temple to to get, you know, to get it blown in his own face to make him freak out. Yeah. Okay. I was like, okay. (laughs) All right. I don't agree, but I, I guess I see what you're saying here. So at number 11, I have Batman and Robin, which I just said not too long ago that I actually really. I enjoy Batman and Robin. Yeah. I, I find it really fun. It's kind of, again, it's very stupid, but it's a lot of fun every time I watch it. Hey, hey, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served. Shield. What? Bane. All right, what's uh, your number my, 11? My number 11 is Lego Batman. Why do you hate fun things? Why do you hate the, why do you hate fun things so much, Aaron? I don't hate just fun say it things. if you're gonna say I it. I don't hate fun things. I just happen to like ten others before this one. Okay. <laughs> like you just like you just literally mocked one of the things that I love the most in this in this world. Oh, the opening like, scene like, of the, no the entire the entire Lego series is a mockery of everything. It's like it's, it's like one the, giant satire. It's the kid version of scary movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just take everything from everything everything you love yeah. and make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's not, let's not take ourselves serious at all. Right. All right, well, at number 10, I have Batman 66. So that's obviously the only Adam West Batman film. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, kind of stupid, but it's fun. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it is a, very it's much a, Adam West Batman. Yeah. Uh, I have Batman and Robin. Okay, we just talked about that. 
At number nine, I have Lego Batman, which we just talked about as well. It's really fun. I, I love Lego Batman. It's just kind of... Wait, you skipped Batman Forever. Oh, I'm sorry. I, my apologies. Number nine, I have Batman Forever. Yeah. Wow. Which is my <laughs> least favorite of the original three. So, and the, my it's it's my favorite of the Joel Schumacher, though. Yes. <laughs> I have, for my number nine, I have Batman 1966. Okay. And that's only because... Again, I like I like eight more before it. Right, uh, we're getting to this territory now. We're yeah, like, we like these films. Yeah, just, I love all these films, but there's just so many of them that it's like you know, it's like again, Spider-Man to, movie. You have to put Spider-Man them somewhere. Movies. Yeah. So, but I would say definitely this is the bottom because of just the sheer idiocy of a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, number eight, I have Lego Batman, which again Batman, we just talked about. Yeah. Batman Forever for me because I happen to like I happen to really enjoy. Uh-huh. Batman Forever because Jim Carrey does such a great job, and the fact that yeah. you get Tommy Lee Jones, yes, who is essentially movie, playing the Joker in that film. Yeah, it's <laughs> also in some in those older films. Batman is just a straight up murderer. <laughs> All right. Well, at number seven, I have Batman Forever. I have Batman v Superman. Okay, let's talk about these really quick. So, Batman Forever. This film to me, you have Bat. That's Batman Returns. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Sorry. My text is really small on my computer, guys. My apologies. <laughs> it is Batman Returns. Uh, this is one to me that feels like, when I think of Tim Burton, I don't, for some reason, immediately think of Batman 89. I think mm-hmm. of Batman Returns. I think I w- I've seen this film maybe more than any other film on this list. I've, I've watched Batman Returns so much. And this also was towards the beginning of my realizing that I liked a darker Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid. This was just really cool for me. Like this was around the time where I was watching Batman the animated series, so I watched this a lot. Yeah, and of course Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito. Batman Returns is honestly like this is a way different because my Batman Returns is my second favorite. Yeah, it's my number two. Okay, and so you might be better off. Tell, kind of, and, and, I mean, I just I I love the fact that it because Tim Burton did Batman and then Batman Returns, mm-hmm. so they both really fit together very well. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito's The Penguin, you know, was, was, <laughs> there is, because of the universe that it's built in, yeah. it's not the Adam West universe, it's not the Christopher Nolan, it's a, it's, it's a non-realistic yeah. universe, but at the same time, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's gothic, it's still crazy, it's like, it, like, it makes sense that somebody would choose a bat, right. You know, it makes sense that somebody would choose like a black cat, like a like a ugly ass penguin. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's fucking weird. You know. Well, while we're talking about it, is Michelle Pfeiffer still your number one Catwoman? Yes. Okay, me too. I'm gonna go with yes. Yeah, that's, she, that's like she the, will always be. That's a pretty easy yes for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about Penguin? Colin Farrell or Danny DeVito? Kind of two different. Yeah, very very different. Do you like tacos or do you like pizza? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hamburgers, hot dogs. Yeah. Exactly. Alrighty, we'll go into number six here. I have The Dark Knight Rises. Me too. Okay, so we're pretty even on that. The yeah. the least of the of the Nolan series, or at least for me, you lo- you don't <laughs> like Batman Begins, but um, yeah, again, I I like The Dark Knight Rises. That opening scene with Bane. Yeah. Oh, I I again, I really love yeah. all these and and the fight with him and Bane later in the film is one of my favorite scenes. Yes. of live action Batman. I used to do. I used to cosplay Bane. Yeah. When I used to actually work out mm-hmm. consistently, um, <laughs> and I, th- there was a there was a um, convention that I went to. And I went to Dra- Dragon Con, which is one of the biggest conventions in the United States. Yeah. Um, and I was actually in the parade uh, as Bane. Yeah. And in order to make sure that I was like accurate, 
I for a week straight, I watched The Dark Knight Rises start to finish. That's it. Oh my gosh! Like I would like I would get home from work and I would start it. Yeah. And then once it was finished, I just hit play again, and I would just like that's until I went to sleep. And then the next morning, wake up, get home from work, do the same thing for a week straight. I had everything down. Like, do you feel in charge? <laughs> you know, like I had everything. I was it was born great. in the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> I was molded by the darkness. Yeah, it was. Like, you see the darkness. You nearly adopted it. <laughs> also, a very small cameo for uh, Ben Mendelsohn before he got big. Remember, he's mm-hmm. the one who gets choked out by Bane early in the film. <laughs> Already, uh, what's your number six? Oh wait, you already said number six. Yours is uh, the Dark Knight as well. What is your number five? The Dark Knight. Interesting. Yes, and 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 that's only yourself. Because, that's only because um, the rest of the movie can kind of go to shit. Okay. Heath Ledger is really the only redeeming quality for me in that movie. I disagree with that, but Christian Bale's pretty incredible in that film. Mm. Two Face. Mm. Okay. My number five is Batman. Where's Rachel? <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. Uh, I'm five, not wearing hockey pads. My number five is Batman 89. My favorite of the Tim Burton series. Uh, it is also just iconic. You know, it's it's hard to. How do you watch? How do you think of Batman without thinking of Batman 89? It's where it started. It's uh, some would argue it's this is where bat, modern Batman started. And yet, it's not your number one. It's not number one. It is not. That's spoilers for Aaron's number one. <laughs> number four is for me, Batman Begins. We already mm-hmm. talked about why I love it. I think it's maybe. I think part of the reason why we won't see another Batman origin for a very long time is because it's already been perfected. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of. There, I understand that this feels. What is that? <laughs> Back up. <laughs> This feels, on the surface, like a perfect film, and, but I understand that there are issues with it, of course. Um, but, yeah, I just love it so much. The fact that Rachel Ghoul was a white guy. Okay. <laughs> we got to think, think back to when Batman Begins came out, 2006. Everybody's being whitewashed. Okay. All right. mine, was, uh, mine was Batman uh, the Phantom. Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, the mask of the, I was going to say the Phantom Menace. <laughs> mask of the Phantasm. I love when they play Google um, Fates which, in that film. Yeah. <laughs> with Batman with the lightsaber. Yeah. Awesome. No, um, honestly, like this is one of the most iconic and, and prolific like uh, animated DC films. Yeah. Ever in, 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 in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid, my brother and I, we had the VHS yep. of this and we would just watch it over and over again. But also like to really to really show how ahead of its time. I mean, it was it was made again with um, Batman, the animated series, kind of the same. First Tim and yeah. Paul Dini. Yep. And so. Really, the amazing thing was uh, really one of the first and earliest occasions of a female uh, antagonist. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and an original antagonist at that, yes. one that had never been created in the comics beforehand and was created specifically for this film. And it got a theatrical release, which yes. is, you know, again, unheard of. <laughs> unheard of. Yes. And it was a love interest of Batman, which was like, it was, the, it was the, again, the, we all know that Batman the Animated Series is one of the most well-written cartoons in, in history. Yes. It continues to be. One of the best yeah, cartoons in general. And the fact that they were able to successfully create an animated series this early mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 create one that that just was that complex for adults and kids yep. was just fantastic, timeless. Yeah, and I think if you ever want to try to get someone into a Batman comic or Batman the Animated Series, for instance, just show them the Mask of the Phantasm. Yes. It's, it is just I ha- I'll just go ahead and say right now it's my number two. Uh, it's one of the greatest of all time. At number three, we both agree. I just yes. rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman is our number three for each of us, and yep. I think we just talked about it. We we just told you why we love it. 
Uh, again, not number one, but that's okay. Yeah. It's a great film. And I'll it's see it again. Film. I'll see it again. I'll buy the Blu-ray, the whole thing. Great first entry for Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves. At number two, Aaron, who's your number two? Batman Returns. Okay. And you already kind of talked about why you loved it so much. Yeah. I just, I love almost everything about this, this uh, really like early jump into yeah. the Batman lore, the darkness of it, the dark night. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. So conservatively, how much money would you spend on Michelle Pfeiffer's leather suit? Um, upwards of do I, I mean like do I have an, an unending amount of money yes yeah. any amount of money okay. uh, can, can I pay her to put it back on <laughs> if, if you buy it she has yes. to wear it okay well then then that's fine because <laughs> I will spend anything anything, anything. it'd be the I'll bank account whatever, he, whatever she wants infinite amount of money you can have it just you're gonna <laughs> just try it anyways well my number two is Mask of the Phantasm as I said and uh well, I already told you guys earlier, my number one is The Dark Knight. Obvious reasons. I don't think I need to go into detail on why I think The Dark Knight is the best. It's not only my favorite Batman film. It's not only one of my favorite superhero films, but I think it's one of my favorite films in general. Yeah. Uh, Batman 89 for me yeah. is my number one. And it always will be because of how great everything was in this movie. From Batman just, you know, you want to get crazy, to Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yep. Uh, you know, poisoning all of the uh, the product, the skincare products, mm-hmm. and like the the woman on the news, like laughing. The Prince, <laughs> the Prince soundtrack, the soundtrack, the parade, yeah. the floats, like the creepiness of that green gas, and people like the dude trying to cover his mouth with the like money, yeah. And then the bat jet, the bat plane, bat wing, bat wing, yep. like grabbing it with the little little things and like taking it in the it was great it yeah. was great everything it's was iconic it really is i i totally so. understand why i know i have it at number four but um yeah our front number five excuse me but all righty well that'll do it for our rating that'll do it for our review of the batman i had a lot of fun i'm glad i saw it with you so same let's go ahead and get into my favorite segment of this show excited to hear what aaron talks about this week on aaron's twitch talk <laughs> It's time for Aaron's Twitch Talk. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Still doing that thing. Um, yeah. So this week I'm going to talk about uh, uh, on Aaron's Twitch Talk, which uh, you know you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash better actions. That's all one word. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends, mm-hmm. which I am absolutely horrendous. I haven't at. heard you talk about that in a while. Yeah. Because uh, I really put it down. I'm not really like hugely into battle royale games yeah you know this uh i'm not a competitive person uh i do really enjoy playing the final fantasy 7 the first soldier battle royale which is on like my mobile mobile devices but uh i have you know you already know i'm part of regiment gg which mm-hmm. is an all veteran service member gaming group and i've made a few friends and they've asked me to volunteer to you know join them on their trio team yep. for, for apex Legends. so i've been practicing doing my due diligence to get better i'm having a good time you want to be competitive fun. at least right i want i, I want to be good for them because they're, sure. they're 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 better players than i am <laughs> so i want to know my shit right. so to speak yeah. and so uh it's definitely it's definitely something that you have to like consistently do yeah. and in order to like refine those those the like battle royale maps one thing i've, I've learned is that you got to know the locations mm-hmm. you got to know your like kind the back of your hand like the back of your hand yeah, yeah. you got to know like a lot of people would call it your loadout yep. uh when you play uh like call of duty you have to know the, the weapons that fit your play style you know so for me like that's kind of what i, I 
I'm a little bit behind on where these guys know they're they're running around talking about like oh I need this car I need this I need this uh you know rampage all this stuff so you got to know what the meta is yep. like you know how you and I used to play Pokemon the car train card game mm-hmm. uh, there's a meta even with weapons oh, because they buff and they nerf these these guns and these grenades and these you know and ultimates and it's it's just it's a, it's very it's a very interesting world uh to to dive into when you don't really know much about it but it's definitely fun it is really fun i'll say that especially uh kind of being social and playing with other people sure. is, is a nice really community. fun thing yeah exactly yeah. uh i really enjoy being a part of the the uh, regiment gg uh i've been writing a lot of articles for them i'm getting ready to do another one because they actually just started a new branch called the veteran gaming league they're trying to give cool. veterans the uh more of a uh, chance to be a part like a like a prominent important part of the esports industry sure uh so if you guys get a chance go check out regiment gg if you're a veteran feel free to join it's really easy and then veteran gaming league if you're a veteran or you're you know a service member you can go ahead and try you, know, you can join that as well and try and go out for some of their competitive teams uh it's a really good program i'm really excited to be a part of it and i'm looking at those big ass usagi yojimbo books next to you <laughs> um i need some of that yeah. yeah. So with that, uh, because I just pointed out a comic that uh, Chris really likes, and he's actually talked about this in this segment. Let's go into my, my favorite part of the show, Chris's Corner. It's time for Chris's Corner. Alrighty, this week for Chris's Corner, we're going to be talking about Batman Blink, written by Dwayne McDuffie, illustrated by Val Samiks and Dan Green. And for Batman Blink, the reason why I chose this is because, uh, first of all, Brad Gullickson from uh, the Comic Book Couples Counseling. They're the ones, they talked about it last week on episode 69. They talked about how he was reading Batman Blink. So I was like, well, if Brad likes it, I must like it as well. So I decided to give it a look and damn it if he wasn't right. It's awesome. And uh, here's the summary here. When a blind man with power to see through the eyes of other men accidentally taps into the mind of a serial killer, Batman finds himself at the center of a conspiracy that reaches from the streets of Gotham straight up to the cathedrals of Gotham. And um, Dwayne McDuffie, he's the co-founder of Milestone Media. He also wrote Static Shock, Justice League of America, many more. And Batman Blink collects Legends of the Dark Knight issues 156 to 158 and then 164 to 167. So Legends of the Dark Knight used to be this really awesome comic back in the day that would allow certain creators to come on for three to four issues tell the stories that they want to tell and then just leave. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool idea. I think they've tried to do it here recently. It just doesn't work out as well as it used to, but Legends of the Dark Knight is one of my favorite runs in comics just because of that. You get so many different versions of Batman, so many different stories. And this Blink story is really fun. Again, you meet this man who is blind technically, but he has the power to, when he, once he touches you, he can look through your eyes. So Batman has to use this guy to basically solve a mystery. That's essentially what the story is. And I don't want to give anything away in case you guys want to read it, but I highly recommend Batman Blink. Brad was totally correct in recommending this. Uh, it's one that I had never heard of before talking with the Comic Book Couples Counseling last week. So highly recommend Batman Blink, once again, written by Dwayne McDuffie, illustrated by Val Samiks and Dan Green. And Aaron, I think that'll do it here Woo! for episode 70. We have done it once again. We want to once again thank uh, Rick's Comic City for allowing us to be here, allow us to record here live in their comic store. It's a beautiful yeah, location here. In absolutely. So my buddy George, who actually he mostly works over at the Fort Campbell, but he uh, does manage the store as well mm-hmm. at times. Um, and 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 the other manager, uh, Rachel, who's here today, like they're just. 
this shop is I've been coming here since my friend Sammy was working here and I she kind of wanted to introduce me to like comics and cards a little bit after you after moving here. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's been really uh, especially like hearing your love of like local comic shops and supporting them, especially seeing, you know, the the just the, the sheer magic that is the fantasy shop up in St. Louis, yeah. St. Charles, excuse me, um, coming to, to Rick's has definitely been. It's definitely been like a a, 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 a warm feeling. Yeah, like I, I really enjoy the opportunity of getting to come here and and uh, checking out like their shelves and 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 seeing what's new. And and I'll tell you this: one of the one of the nicest things that I've <laughs> really had is like I went into Rick's on Basil uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and George he goes, "Hey, Aaron," you know, and he's like, "I got I found this for you," and it's a it was Star Blazer. Oh yeah, uh, and it's the first appearance of you know the Rocketeer. Yep. And like that's just loves Rocketeer. yeah, and like that's just like to me that's you know when you have an establishment like a local establishment you don't get that at Walmart right you don't get that at Best Buy I mean you might maybe if you know the people but it's like you don't get that at any other place than the places that you like to go that give you that good feeling that you can talk to the people that work there it's and Rick's is definitely Rick's is definitely that in the Clarksville the Nashville and the Fort Campbell community and I love the fact that you know it's it's so welcoming like that so big big shout out to them. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. Come, uh, if you're in the area, stop by a, a Rick's comic city. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I had a great time here this week and I'm so glad that we got to get together and watch the Batman and hang the out. Batman. We're going to have a uh, dinner tonight. Super excited. Talk hot, more hot. about the Batman and then, yes. uh, share this with everyone on the, on with the oblivion bar, people who listen to us and whatnot. So thank you guys so much. Uh, actually next week we'll be off cause we take off every, we take off a week, every 10 episodes. So next week we'll be off, but then episode 71, we'll be talking to, uh, one of my good friends and rising star in the world of comics, David M. Boer. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well. Had a great conversation with him a couple weeks ago. Excited to share that with you guys. So Aaron, go ahead and take us out of episode 70. All right. Subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Join our Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. And thank you to our patrons, Greg, Sebastian, Travis, Chrissy, Kyle, Haley, Chris, and Jeff. It's getting longer. Like it's getting longer. We're getting there. <laughs> like us on Facebook for slash Oblivion Bar Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Follow us on Instagram at The Oblivion Bar. Why is that one different? <laughs> I hate it. Follow us on TikTok at Oblivion Bar Pod. Official merch of the show can be found at linkapp.com forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. Look for the nerdies.com icon. Thank you, Kevin Ziegler, for all of our Oblivion Bar art. He's at the Zigzone on Instagram. Thank you, Southbound Beretta, for all of our Oblivion Bar themes. Thank you, DJ Skyvac, for our grid theme. Thank you to Fantasy Shop for sponsoring the show. You guys are dad, mom, you might even be brother and sister. We'll see. It might get weird. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your bartenders. And if it's not 20% or more, you are a jerk. That's right. 20% or more. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our review of the Batman. Thank you so much for listening to the Oblivion Bar. And we will see you in two weeks for episode 71. 